0: Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports. Today is January 17th, 2024, and this is Ben and Barry on
1: Football. What's going on out there, everybody? I'm Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. We made it through wild Card weekend. <laughs> I ended up being three and three. Uh, not super happy about that, but the way things went was kind of understandable. Who would have believed that out of six games, one would be really competitive and the other five would be pretty much blowouts? Okay. Kind of crazy, right?
0: Okay. You'll go through those uh, in the reviews when we talk about games coming up for the division. Yep. So you were three and three. Yeah. We talked about having a low base of only six games last week. So they, that shot you to 50% right off the bat. Yep. The bias was 67%. We were two, two wrong. So we're four for six. Okay. That shot us. So we went straight from 50%. The next step up is 67% uh, because of that small base. And you know, the, the the dolphins were favored over the Chiefs. The the Chiefs were kind of like the Eagles in that they had been winning by small margins all year. You know, top defense, but the offense wasn't really clicking, but they were winning but by small margins. Uh, whereas the dolphins were, were winning by big. <clears throat> just as simple as that. So when you look at margin analysis and compare the two, the dolphins were favored. You know, um, as I t- said in my uh, in one of my write ups, um, there are other factors besides this. This is a baseline. This is a starting point. Uh, and when you get to that game, I got a couple comments about it. But I didn't, that was one game that I did not get, and the other was the Cowboys. You know, they they were they were the they had the highest a bias plus score going in their favor of the weekend, and uh, we saw what happened. I'll let you handle that but those were the two that uh, the bias missed and it makes sense that the bias would miss them that's what you call an upset <laughs> right there that's what you call you to know what an upset looks like it's the Cowboys Packers game <laughs> that's what you call an upset so let's move on to the actual uh information I've been what I did again Producing the sterling net point power rankings. I want to just share some information. Uh, so we kind of know where everybody is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have here the rankings on the four stats that we track. I wanted to just, you know, share everybody with everybody an idea when we're looking at stuff. <clears throat> Let's see and why we know there's a validity to the net point rankings. So the teams that are in green are the teams that are uh, still in the playoffs, going into the division level of competition. And as you can see, we're talking very easily on the net points. AMP is average net points. APF is average points for. APA is average points against. And A-T-O-D is average turnover differential. So you see your top two teams and your net points right there. Dallas is right there in the middle. Buffalo, Kansas City. Now Miami, a playoff team. Uh, New Orleans, they were in the playoffs. They made the first round, right? No. Oh, okay. All right. Detroit, Houston, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay. So when we look at those net points, we then wonder about the composition of those net points. And where's the strength of that team? Is it on offense is it on defense? Or are they somewhat equal? Uh, if you look at um, Baltimore in first place, you see them in first place in net points and in first place in average points against. Second place in average turnover differential. And only third in points scored uh 28.4. That's only uh point a point plus below the number one scoring team was still wound to being Dallas. Even in their loss, they scored 30 points. Um, and there's the Niners in, in second place, kind of the same thing. First place, second place in net points, second place in uh scoring, third place in defense, and sixth place, tied for uh from fourth down to uh Sixth place at zero point six um, for average turnover differential. So this is what this is where your, your 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 playoff teams come from. This area of it. Now, as we go over the defense again, we talk about the composition of those uh, of those net points because you could be, you know, um, well, let's look at for example, uh, Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia is at negative one here, Manicou that that last loss. But they're still seven, seventh ranked on offense. And I made this point to um, Eagle fans. You know, they're, they're the number seven scoring offense in the league with a rookie offensive coordinator. In most cases, that's not a fireable offense. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, but then you go over to the next column. Now, again, look look at that. From first, second, third, fourth, and fifth down, all in the green, all playoff teams. So there's your defense right there, okay? Houston comes in a little later. Green Bay comes in a little later. But you want to know why Philly is uh, minus one, even though they have a seventh-ranked offense? Well, let's go down to the next column. Here you go. And we see that Philly is ranked 30th in defense at the end of the season. 30th. So that's how you wound up with a negative net points, even though you got a seventh-ranked offense. Um, Tampa Bay is 19th offensively. Detroit, 18th defensively. Kansas City, 28th and turnover differential, but, again, lots of ties there. And it's not that much. It's 0.6. So, And I told you about my my trepidation for uh, Baker Mayfield lies in the average points that that group has scored, which is 21. That's a Baker Mayfield number as far as I'm concerned. But there's so much green there. Um, You see, defensively, offensively, and turnover – where your, you know, where your playoff teams are coming from. Um, your top, uh, what, uh, 11 plus teams, all, you know, for net points, pretty much all in the playoffs. I'm to not winning the team. Offensively, it's a little more scattered. Defensively, you've got a cluster at the top. And again, congratulations to your New York Giants for being up there number one, tied with Baltimore and Houston at 0.7 average turnover differential. So that 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 adds in there. Uh, but most of these are pretty much uh, fractions of a turnover. So they're not uh, big turnover situations. But again, these are averages. So all right. You got anything you want to say on this?
1: No, nah, everybody's pretty much where they should be, considering where they were when the season ended. And this is – these are numbers after last week's games, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, for example, Baltimore didn't have any change, <clears throat> but they were in strong number one place all along. So you know, Right. And yeah, there. nobody was going to overtake those two. Yeah, and the Niners are the same situation. They weren't scoring any more points last week anyway. So, so you got your hands full, buddy, on these matchups coming up.
1: Ha, ha, ha. Well, I'm hoping I do a little bit better than three and three. Uh, only four games this week. I really like to knock it out the box and get all four. So let's do a little bit of analysis and see what we can come up with. Okay, Benny,
0: first up on a Saturday afternoon, um, I did not double check the time, um, but I'll go through that. Uh, I'll give that time. I'll look it up while you're giving your review here. But what we have is a bias plus score for the division playoffs, 2023 to 2024, Texans at Ravens plus score of 8.8 favors the Ravens.
1: That game's at 4.30. That game's at 4.30 on a Saturday. All righty. Okay, now let me say this before we get started. These games are really going to be tough to pick. We got some really great matchups here. We have some teams that on the surface you would probably say would be the underdog. However... When it comes to the playoffs, a lot of times it's the team that's getting hot at the moment. I did not take that into consideration last week and it ends up beating me, but I'm not going to let that happen again hopefully <laughs> this week. <laughs> so we got the numerous last words. Yeah, we got the number 4 seeded Houston Texans going to Baltimore to play the number 1 seed Ravens. The number four-seeded Texans played host to the Cleveland Browns last week. This was their first playoff appearance since 2019. Now, in our rankings, Cleveland was favored in average net points, but Houston held the bias by virtue of their dominance in the turnover differential, and it was a pretty good differential between the two teams. Uh, That dominance proved to be big in the Texans' 45-14, to blowout victory. OC, Bobby Slowick, you'll be hearing that name a lot more coming up. He's the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, and he schemed up a tremendously balanced offense, and quarterback C.J. Stroud continued to be the focus of that offense. Uh, Stroud threw the ball 22 times, completed 16, three touchdowns, zero turnovers. They ran the ball 22 times for 76 total yards and another touchdown by running back Devin Singletary. Defensively, they held the Browns' run game, which was a really good run game during the course of the season. Uh, held that game, run game to 56 total yards. They registered 11 tackles for loss. That's big, man. Can you imagine? You, you might run 20-some run plays, and 11 11 of them get stuffed behind the line of scrimmage, that's got to be debilitating to your run offense. Uh, They picked off Joe Flacco twice, and they took both of them to the crib. And it reminded me, remember Walt Bellamy, the guy we used to play ball with? Uh Walt used to say, a good DB can get interceptions, but the great ones take it home. (laughs) I'll never forget that. He used to say that all the time. And that's what they did. They picked Flacco twice. They took both of them home. So that was a big win for the Houston Texans. Now, the number one seeded Baltimore Ravens uh, are at home, and they're coming off the uh, first round bye. So they didn't play last week. They opened the regular season at home against the Texans. That was their first game of the season, and they beat the Texans 25-9. to I didn't go back and look at the details of that game. But 25-9 to is a pretty good win. Uh, Of course, things are all different now. It's the end of the season. It's playoff uh, playoff time. And like I said, the Houston Texans are red hot right now. Um, Boy, the the Ravens are close to having most of their major players back healthy again. Um, Wide receiver Devin Duvernay practiced in full on Tuesday, which was yesterday. Wide receiver Zay Flowers and tight end Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, who I thought was done for the season, did practice yesterday in a limited fashion. So they were limited participants in Tuesday's practice. If they were able to get in a couple of – if they were able to get another limited practice in today and they can practice in full on Friday, there's a good chance that they will play. Cornerback uh, Marlon Humphreys has not been able to practice yet but I'm not going to give up hope on him. He's a starting corner. So there's a good possibility that as far as their main starters are concerned, Baltimore could come in fully healthy and ready to play. Um, The fact that they are the number one seed, the fact that they are 13-4, and and the fact that they're home and they've beaten the Texans already and it was early in the season, the first game of the season, in fact, um, both teams are going to have to dig back. For some film but um i'm gonna have to go with the ravens here i cannot not pick the ravens in this game
0: thing that i'm looking forward to here um keeping in mind my statement that the team that can make uh, the other team play 11 on 11 has a decided advantage i think we have a classic matchup between a team that can make you play 11 on 11. And a team, and a and team that's basically a pocket quarterback team, you know, CJ Stroud is not a running guy. He's not doing a lot of running. He's just dissecting and placing balls with amazing accuracy, unlike rookies in history at this particular point. So, yeah, I, I empathize with you having you know to try to pick one. I don't have to. The numbers speak for themselves, and the Ravens have been that dominant. Part of that dominance came against my niners. You know, in, in terms of the large net win, net point win on against our team. And then they turn around and did the same thing uh, to the Dolphins. Now, just for a moment, since we're talking about a team that's coming off the bye and we have to go to the Niners who will be doing the same thing. What do you think about the pros and cons
1: of the bye week? Rest versus rust. So, uh, I was watching First Things First today, and they mentioned that, and it's been discussed uh, with both teams, the Niners and the the Ravens, as well as teams in the first round, uh, or rather, at the end of the season when teams were saying, if we're going to make the playoffs, maybe we can rest starters. It's a big subject when it comes to this time of year. However, I forget exactly what year it was. I want to say it was 2019. Uh, the Ravens rested everybody when they had a chance, and they lost a the first-round game to the Tennessee Titans. I may be wrong on the season that it occurred, but it did happen. So they're well aware of that, and although they earned their first-round bye. That's not like, you know what, we choose to rest our players. They earned the first round by, so obviously they didn't have a game. But I'm sure they will ramp up their practice schedule so that they don't feel rusty or don't get rusty. I'm sure the practice sessions have been tailored to try to avoid that. Uh, they were well aware and remembered it vividly. Uh, Lamar spoke on it, and uh, John Harbaugh also spoke on it. So they remember it happening before. They're going to do everything they can to not let it happen this time.
0: One of the things that came up uh, somewhat humorously was some remembrances of uh, guys in Miami's on boats
1: in the bye week, I think. Um, Oh, that was, uh, yeah, somebody went to Cabo. Yeah, a couple different of, stories.
0: Yeah, a couple different stories. And I don't think that those teams were successful coming back.
1: No, they were not.
0: So um, that's something that uh, they probably will have learned from other people's experiences, hopefully. Uh, I do think you're right. And what I've heard about the practice sessions that the Ravens have, and, and I'm going to assume the Niners are kind of doing the same thing. Basically, what they said was that first week coming off of the last game they practiced like they had a game coming up right right you know so they went pretty good and i guess they get a chance to to ease up and then uh practice situational football in the upcoming in the week before the actual game you know that's so important because again i mean, so often i'm seeing these guys it's fourth and three and they're throwing a 30 yard bomb i'm like y'all don't have a three yard play you know what I mean? You don't have a three, you all you need is three yards, you know, and you hope know, you, you keep know, the ball and still serve. So um and, and I think even the Eagles uh were uh, guilty of doing that. Like you know, they didn't shoot short yardage and thoughts some deep ball. So
1: can't use the Eagles, that's not a good example.
0: Yeah, well you might be joking. All right. <laughs> you got a you got you got a point there, you got a point there. So In any event, Texas at Ravens, classic, uh, you know, uh, pocket quarterback versus classic super athletic quarterback that can be both run and throw the ball. You're favoring the Ravens. You're going with the bias. Yes. Speaking of, Packers at 49. Let's go score 10.7. Favors, the 49ers, my beloved 49ers, my son's team, the Packers. <laughs> and if if the Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud are from the same family I am convinced of it now. Their mother and father is the same person. We just we just didn't know. <laughs> these young boys are throwing
1: dimes out here, man. Uh, <laughs> we got another classic case of a number one seed strongest, possibly best team in the league at the moment going against a team that is red hot at the right time, and, and also with a young quarterback. Um, number seven seeded Green Bay. They had to go to AT&T Stadium where the number two seed Dallas Cowboys have won 16 consecutive games dating back to last season. They shocked Dallas going up 27 to 7 by halftime and 48-16 with 10 minutes left in the game. Wow, that's crazy. Dallas got a couple of meaningless scores late in the game to make the score look somewhat respectable but trust me, it was not respectable at all. Jordan Love continues to be on fire. he was 16 and 21 for 272, three touchdowns. Uh, All three, no, I'm sorry, three touchdowns, one to Romeo Dobbs, one to Dontavion Wicks, and one to tight end Luke Musgrave. Now, I'll tell you, during this season, Dontavian Wicks has had his moments, and Romeo Dobbs has been hot and cold. He's really been living off of Christian Watson and uh, what's the other kid's name, Jaden Reed, but this week, He made those other guys look really, really good. Um, That only makes their offense that much more devastating. Dobbs caught six balls for 151 yards, and he had 102 yards by halftime. So they did most of their hard work in the first half to put Dallas back on their heels. Dallas had proven to be weak against the run. Everybody knew that. Everybody talked about that, but unlike some other teams that we know in the city where we live, their coach, Matt LaFleur, did not hesitate to exploit that weakness. The pack ran the ball 33 times. And number 33, running back Aaron Jones, had 21 of those carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns all by himself. Defensively, they intercepted Dak twice in the first half. Jair Alexander picked one off at the Dallas 19 that quickly turned in uh, to one of Jones' touchdowns. And safety Darnell Savage ran his back four score. Uh, They also sacked Dak four times and hit him nine times. Now, you know, when they talk about any given Sunday, I hate to use that phrase a, a lot, okay, because like I said, the Packers have proven themselves to be a really good team. And they're kind of catching fire at the right time, like I said. During the course of the season, uh, you would hear the talking heads on television talking about, well, I think this team is the best team in the league. and I think this team is the best team in the league. And what they started doing was saying, well, who did they beat? That's the first question people ask. So they said, well, Dallas only beat uh, below 500 teams. Maybe they beat one good team. Uh, Maybe the Dolphins beat one good team that kind of thing, okay? The Packers have defeated over the course of this season the Rams, the Lions, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys. Those are all wins on the Packers' resume. These cats are really, really dangerous. But they do have to go to San Francisco, who is the number one seed and is coming off the first round bye. So, um, oh, over the season, they didn't get to play the Packers head-to-head Uh, So they don't have any old film on that to go by. But... um, Hey, Ben, I got something to make your job even harder. What's that?
0: Looking at the average net points, average scoring margin over the last three weeks. Yeah. First place... Packers. Scoring margin of plus 19.3 is the Houston Texans.
1: Oh, Oh, okay.
0: Second place... With average scoring margin of plus 15.7, is the Green Bay Packers.
1: In fact, they're in the top 10 in every counting offensive stack. Every single one. I saw that earlier today. So, uh, Packers at
0: 49ers, bias plus score of uh, more than a uh, touchdown, extra point, and field goal favors the 49ers.
1: Well, let's look at the Niners. They they have some injury issues also that they might be getting out from under. Uh, defensive end, Cleland Farrell, a big part of their pass rush, is expected be, to be sidelined for several weeks, so he's not going to make it for this game. Maybe he'll be ready by the Super Bowl if they get that far. Safety, Logan Ryan and linebacker Dre Greenlaw Two very important pieces to their defense did not practice on Tuesday. I'll have to check and see what they did today. Defensive end, Eric Armstead was a limited participant in practice yesterday. So I expect Armstead to be ready to go. Logan and uh, Greenlaw, we're going to have to see if they can get a couple practices in before the week ends. Um, Again, I really love what the Packers are doing right now. I think Lafleur is in his own with his play calling. He had Dallas on their heels the entire game. They never stood a chance in that game, never. He had their defense, he had their head spinning. Uh, but I don't know. Oh, this is a tough one. I really, I really keep thinking there's got to be an upset. There's got to be an upset this weekend. And if there's going to be one, this would probably be it. But I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I've been believing in them all this time. I'm going to stick with it.
0: All right. Um, The Niners – released running back Jeremy Nichols and picked up D.N. Austin to the practice squad. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they weren't really using Nichols anyway, even though I do have questions about the use of uh, depth in running back. But, all right, we, you know, if there's going to be an upset, we ain't looking forward to happen here, buddy. I know you're not. You know what I'm saying? All right. And this game is, what, 8 o'clock, somewhere around there? Yeah. Lime time. prime time. Lime time game. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Who's up next? Ah, the Buccaneers at the Lions. Now, where we had a bias plus score of 10 plus. In the previous game, the bias plus score here is 0. 0.5. And it's favoring the Buccaneers. Favoring the Buccaneers. Again, I remind you, remember when we were looking at the net point charts? Lions defense still kind of down in the lower end of things. Yep. Offsetting that great scoring uh, accomplishments that they're having there to some degree. And uh, Baker and them, I guess, got it done. Now, I'm going to take a look while you give us your little rundown, So I want to see something on this. Go ahead.
1: Okay, so the Bucks got it done for sure against the Eagles. Um, the Eagles had to go on the road to Tampa Bay to play the game. Uh, they were still the betting favorite in Vegas, but interesting enough, interestingly enough, they were not the bias plus favorite. Now, they went one and five down the stretch where the buccaneers went 5 and 1 down the stretch. Again, talking about teams to get hot at the right time. In fact, during the middle part of the season, the bucks had a stretch where they lost 6 of 7, snapped out of it, came back and won 5 and 1 down the stretch going to the playoffs. So that's a team that's got some things going. The surging bucks gave the slumping eagles the business. They won the game 32 to 9. It was 16-9 to nine at halftime, after which the defense pitched a total shutout the rest of the way. They held Philly zero for nine on third down conversions. And that's been a problem for Philadelphia the entire season, actually. They forced four punts, two turnovers on downs, and they got a safety. All of that on defense kept Baker and the Bucks offense on the field, so they also dominated time of possession. Basically, they just ran the, uh, the the Eagles defense into the ground. That wasn't playing well anyway, but they were out on the field so long, there wasn't much resistance they could put up. Um, the running game was very efficient, and Baker found wide open wide receivers all over the field. I, I actually was on Facebook going back and forth with a couple of people saying, is it me, or does it seem like every pass he throws, the receiver's open? There was no 50-50 balls. Cats were open all over the place. He went 22 of 36, and six of them were dropped. Yeah. 330. If he, connect,
0: yeah. if he connected with, what's the name, um, the number one receiver. Um, oh, Mike Evans? Yeah, he dropped. If he connected with Mike Evans like he normally does, plus that would have been a really big blowout, you know? But, yeah, and
1: it, and Mike, it was a
0: great pass. Mike Evans he, was the only guy he wasn't connected with.
1: Yeah, hit him, hit him right in the hands. Uh, 337 yards, three touchdowns, and kicker Chase McLaughlin converted on three of three field goals for the rest of the scoring for the Buccaneers. Ooh, another toughie here. Oh, uh, geez, I don't know. Let's see. Three-seeded Detroit Lions, how'd they do? Well, they hosted the number six seed L.A. Rams, in what turned out to be the most competitive game of the wild Card weekend. Both teams were pretty close statistically. Both were in the top 10 in scoring, and both were in the bottom half of the league in points against. And the final score definitely uh, bore that out as the Lions were victorious by a score of 24 to 23. Detroit got out to a 14-3 lead with touchdown runs by David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, a classic. Thunder and Lightning combination. Jared Goff connected with tight end Sam LaPorter for the third Lions touchdown in the first half. That touchdown in the first half, uh, however, was sandwiched in between two scores by the Rams. At a Rams field goal and the score at halftime was 21-17. So they got right back into the game. In the second half, however, the Lions kicked the field goal and held the Rams to two field goals before running out the clock and winning the game by one point. Lions looked good. Rams' offense was really cooking at the time, too. The big deal with that game was the Rams were able to move the ball in between the 20s up and down the field, just like they did during the season. Puka Nakua had a big game. Kyron Williams had a pretty good game. Stafford had a really good game. But the Lions' defense, although much maligned, was able to keep them out of the the end zone and make them kick field goals. So, again, it's playoff time. doesn't matter almost now where you're ranked in the different categories. It's time to, like, put your big boy pants on, pull them up tight, and get the job done, and that's what the Lions did in that game. They will be at home again. The Bucs offense isn't quite as dynamic as the Rams offense, I don't think. So in that respect, wow. You can tell I don't pick these up ahead of time. Let
0: me just say this. It was funny because Matt Stafford, as I remember him in his Lions days, was always getting hurt. I do remember
1: him being injured a lot. And they, They, they put a beating on him. Well, he hit his hand on somebody's helmet and split. It was bleeding all over the place. Yeah, yeah, he
0: was he was having a rough day. Uh the pressure was really getting to him especially so um but and, and I did have my holy puka nakua moment. You know, puka nakua cut that ball went down the sideline scored. So I got my holy puka nakua moment in so I was happy. Um uh, and also you'll notice again the 0.5 favors the Buccaneers. This was another yep. one those games that swung on the turnover differential. Okay. Because the Lions actually had the favor on terms of net points.
1: So I tell you if if the Bucs can bring the same defense that they played against the Eagles to Detroit, this could be a problem for Jared Goff. They sent every blitz known to man at Jalen Hurts. Every blitz known to man, eh? Yeah, they every (laughs) blitz. I don't think they sent the same two or three. uh, They went through everything. They emptied the playbook on them boys. And the crazy thing is, the really crazy thing is, they test your quarterback because they blitz so much. They go to man. They go man to man quite a bit yet they were able to stymie the Eagles' offense. I don't think it will be that easy against the Lions. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, uh, Laporta. This could be a toughie. Oh, that's right. They shut Dallas Goddard down. Maybe they can do the same thing to Laporta. You know what? I'm going to chase an upset. And I'm going to make my daughter happy. I'm picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go into Detroit and beat the Lions.
0: Well, if you're going with the Buccaneers, it's not an upset relative to the bias plus score. But I don't no, not
1: relative to bias Vegas. plus. What Vegas saying about this game? I, I didn't, I didn't look at that, but I'm sure the Lions are favored. I'm sure the Lions are favored. Okay. All right.
0: He's you're sure he's fighting.
1: the Lions are favored. Money line. versus box. Lions. According to CBS Sports, Buccaneers versus Lions money line: Lions minus two hundred eighty-three. Buccaneers. Yeah, Buccaneers Lions are favored. Buccaneers yeah. are eight-one against the spread in road games. Death. Lions are five to four against the spread in home games. Wow, the Bucks are eight and one against the spread. Oh, I'm taking Tampa Bay. <laughs> I'm taking Tampa Bay. <laughs>
0: eight and one against the spread, eh?
1: Yes,
0: sir. Wow, wow. Well, that's why I asked those questions. Uh, but the Lions are favored. Yes, And a nice spread, but it's it's going to be tight, according to our calculations. There we go. So now we're into the Sunday games. Chiefs have to travel up to Buffalo. They're shuffling off to Buffalo and they have a bias plus score of 6.5 favoring those Buffalo Bills. Again, the Chiefs are that that team that um, wasn't high on the net point rankings. They they were winning by small margins. Uh, to a large degree, their defense is in the top three to five pretty much all season. Uh, but the offense just wasn't really clicking big time. But Patrick Mahomes made it happen so far. He's going to go up and try to deal with the Bills. I don't know what the weather is going to be. If you don't know, I'll look it up while you give you a rundown.
1: It don't matter. The Chiefs just played in minus degrees at home last week. So going to Buffalo won't mean nothing to them weather-wise. Um, this is the last game. Uh, this is the Sunday night game. So that just adds a little bit uh, more to the cold, but I think the Chiefs can handle that. Oh, boy. Both teams are 11-6. and six. Chiefs are seeded number three. Bills are seeded number two. Doesn't get any better than this one, man. And they got history. And they got playoff history. This is going to be something else. Good thing for the Bills is they're home this time where they're usually in Kansas City for a big game like this. Might be the bad thing for the Chiefs that they have to go on the road when normally they don't. Uh, Yeah, they have to go on the road. That's not something they're necessarily used to. Over the last couple of seasons, Um, they did have a home game last week against Miami, and they won that game 26 to seven. The Chiefs scored on four of their six possessions in the first half. Dolphins defense really had nothing for them. The first score was a Mahomes pass to rookie wide receiver Rashid Rice, who's turned himself into basically the number one wide receiver on the team even including if you want to uh, if you want to include tight end Travis Kelsey in that uh Rasheed Rice is the number one guy and then Harrison Butker kicked three field goals we cannot forget about the kickers they're going to be big in these games uh either to close out games keep teams close take leads um when it's cold out and you get in the red zone and your offense stalls a good field goal kicker can get you through Uh, especially one that can kick the ball well in bad uh, weather conditions. Miami did get a touchdown uh, on a pass from Tua to Tyreek Hill in the second quarter. But before that, the Chiefs defense already had an interception on Tua, and then they sacked him three times, and they shut Miami out the rest of the way. So they took care of business. Defense looked great. Offense seems to be still week after week slowly improving. Um, the Buffalo Bills put the Steelers out of their misery at last. They beat them 31 to 17. Uh, they threw the ball 30 times for 203 yards and three touchdowns, and they ran it 34 times for 179 yards. Uh, very balanced offense. Uh, ever since they fired their OC and brought in that guy, uh, I think his name is Joe Brady, he's been calling the plays, and I've seen a big difference in that offense, and I've seen a big difference in Josh Allen. In fact, in this game, Josh Allen accounted for every score except the one field goal that Tyler Bass kicked. So uh, he threw three. He ran one in. Um, Defensively, they turned the Steelers over twice. They made the offense look real mediocre, and they only allowed two touchdowns, one in the second quarter and one in the fourth quarter when the game was basically out of reach. Uh, I am going to take the Bills at home to take care of business. <laughs> going back
0: to the Bills, eh? Yep. Oh, man, I tell you, that Josh Allen just looks, you know, it's like. Oh, They're rolling, man.
1: This is They're what rolling. I need to do.
0: Now, did he do a fake slide
1: in that touchdown that he ran? No, no. I don't even know oh. why he broke. Brought- you know what? It, it really bothers me when these, these commentators, for lack of content or whatever, got to make stuff up to try to be controversial or have hot takes. Bro, he put on the brakes to shake a tackle. That's not – you don't put on the brakes before you slide. You just slide. He it's put straight, on the brakes. Back, he did a – Lean back a little bit with – which kind of gave the impression. You have to lean back when you're going 100 miles now an and, you, and you stutter step. <laughs> you try to run forward full speed and then put on the brakes. Your body's going to lean back. That's how you stop. All right, I got another question. I
0: and mean, this is something that I saw, and in the back of my mind, I wondered how this might impact When I was looking at the pregame and all the players were out on the field with doing the warm-ups and the stretches and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then I saw the Chiefs run back into the the tunnel. Right. And they ran back into the tunnel, but the the Dolphins never left the field. They stayed out on the field. And it made sense, I guess, to me because – then you see them being introduced to the home crowds, so and then they got to run out of the tunnel. So they had to go back in the tunnel to run back out of the tunnel. But I thought to myself, self, those guys had a chance to go in there and get warm just for a moment. And when they came out and, and kicked that ball off, they were smoking right from the get, throwing the ball, not just running the ball. They weren't playing like they were cold. And I wondered – you know, if the bravado of the Miami Dolphins to stay out on the field, and then when those guys came out of the tunnel and lined up and took the kickoff and they were ready to go, if maybe the the, the Miami had, had needed to have gone in and maybe taken a few minutes to just shake that chill off and get themselves really ready to come out and, and move fast, you know, and, and yeah, I really
1: wondered about that. I would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to come out and warm up, right? So, regardless of what the temperature is, you're out there, you're running around, you're catching passes, you're going through drills, you, you know what I mean? You're, you're doing whatever you do to prepare yourself to play. You get your little stretch in and you, you run a couple sprints and you jog around and blah, blah, blah. That's your warm up. So, now your body is starting to warm up. At that point, if you stop, and stay outside. Your body is then going to cool down.
0: Great point. Great
1: point. But if you're warmed up and you run back inside, you'll hold your warm up. You know, you know what I'm saying? Okay. 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 Yeah, that made sense. And why Miami did it, I have no idea. I maybe it was. Maybe I think they were trying to prove something. That's possible, but I think that's stupid. Who are you proving it to? <laughs> They're not even looking at you. They're in the locker room getting They're warm. In the locker room, I <laughs> know. right? We well, try and prove something to the fans. <laughs> I think I think some genius said, "You know what? Once we're out here, we should stay out here instead of going back and getting warm and coming back again." But that's speculation. I I have no idea. Okay,
0: well at least you do understand my point there. Oh yeah, I understand. You understand my point. And you know, Benny, uh, again, we don't have as many games this week. So here you got the Chiefs at the Bills, Bias Plus score 6.5 favors the Bills, and you going with those going with bills. bills. All right, all right. So that's all the bias plus reports for the week, Benny, but you know what that means, right? It's time for the Bias Plus Buster of the Week.
1: Oh, no doubt about
0: it. He had the wild card playoffs. Congrats to the Green Bay Packers. Spanking that spank on the Dallas Cowboys with a Bias Plus score of 27.9. And, again, the Bias only missed on two. So the other score was, I think, about 23, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. But congrats to those Green Bay Packers, man. 27.9 bias plus Buster of the Week for the wild card playoffs. Yep, we're still tracking the wild the uh bias plus buster. Absolutely. We're gonna track it all the
1: way through. So 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 the big question today and yesterday was which uh game was more disappointing? Which loss was more disappointing? The Eagles lost to the Bucks. Or the Dallas loss to the Packers. What's your opinion on that? Disappointing. I try to
0: stick with the concept of disappointing. Disappointing to
1: who? To the team and the fans.
0: To the team and the- I'll
1: say I'll say to the fans.
0: You know I don't live in Dallas, so I don't necessarily see the locals. Uh, and their, you know, cries of, you know, failure. I do live, you know, and being in Philly, I have a lot of my friends from Philly. Uh, it's so much of what I'm seeing on social media is fire everybody. You know? and, and our friend Mark, you know, he he's vindicated now that he's been bet against his team. You know, he's vindicated now. So there's somewhere between, Wanting to fire the coach, feeling vindication, because they were saying, ah, these guys are bums anyway. And yeah, but if they've been saying that for the last month, yeah, how I'm disappointed saying. could they be? Well, you know, that that's disappointed enough to want to fire everybody. Whereas I don't I haven't seen the Cowboy fans jump on the fire anybody voting. I've seen the media talk about whether or not uh McCarthy might be on the hot seat. You know, and all of that, but I haven't really seen it from cowboy for Even some of the cowboy fans that I know, so I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking that the Eagles just
1: reached depths of disappointment. <laughs> that's, that's okay. The, that's now, just remember season. what I'm. Remember the question though, not disappointment for the season, disappointment over that one particular game.
0: Well, if you we talk about that one game, I'd have to go with the Cowboys fans. Right. I think the ex- expectations were high. They, they, yes. The Eagles fans were already jumping off the boat.
1: Yes. And, and I, I, agree. I agree. I agree. And I'll tell you the truth. I was if you're not talking about disappointment. If you want to talk about surprise, I was very surprised that they lost that game, especially the way that they did. I really, really thought they were going to win that game. They had the much higher-ranked defense. Dak was still having his name kicked around in the MVP conversation, although I know he wasn't really. But, I mean, he was on the list. They got in that game, and he looked like a deer in the headlights, man. I don't know. This guy's got some playoff. The pressure of winning a playoff game for the Dallas Cowboys and being the quarterback of that team, after all the futility over the years, is just too much for him. It's just too much. Okay, all right. It's too much. He, he looked he looked like oh my god. I mean, I was more
0: disappointed in the defense that they were just oh yeah, no doubt about they were it going like that, you know. And it made me think about Aaron Rodgers going, who are these guys? You mean I could have been throwing at these? Yeah, you could have been, but you didn't want to give them half a chance. He didn't have faith in the young boys. And you were ready to dig all up into his you-know-what, you know, and, and treating them like you were the coach when you weren't the coach. You know, all you had to do was have a little bit of patience with these young guys, you know. Which he does not have. Which he doesn't have. But I will say this much also, and you've heard me say this before about Aaron Rodgers. Saying that he had the best fall away deep throw of anybody I know. Love is falling right back into that, man. Love, Love is doing some fall away deep throw, and the arm is like ridiculous. The, the amount of distance they could put on that ball without even he having to study
1: them it. is absolutely amazing. It would be crazy for him to be there all those years and not study the man. It would be crazy. It would
0: be crazy. So, you know, or at least, at least. Assimilate some of the things from seeing it over and over again. You know what I mean. But yeah, I, I, I was just, again really impressed uh, by Love, and, and of course by our boy C.J. Stroud, who we thought should have been the first pick anyway in the draft. Um, yes, you know, I, I, I mean, his success is absolutely wrecking the front office of the Panthers. <laughs> They're like, what the hell's
1: going on around here? Crazy. It's you crazy. told me to take the 5'8 guy. <laughs> the guy that weighs like a buck 50. <laughs> buck 50. <laughs> he was going to step up. <laughs> like, yo, this is the NFL, right? <laughs> this guy. Oh, my goodness. Two points. That's that SEC mystique. You know? Okay. The Eagles fell into it defensively got all those Georgia guys, and only one or two of them can really play. The rest of them are all busts. Crazy. crazy, crazy. Uh, Let's take a quick look
0: at social media, and then we will wrap this puppy up, Benny. Okay. Okay, so let's take a look at Ben and Barry on football on Facebook. We're going to start with this... Uh, Post-Tier 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters is hired as the commander's GM. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you had said last week, I think it was, or so they had put together a whole committee to go find. And
1: that's who they came up with. Okay. So now, now that he's on board, he joins the committee to find them a new head coach. Because every GM wants to pick his own coach. That should be his job as far as I'm concerned. Yep.
0: And so that way, responsibility rolls up to him, you know. And it makes sense that they hired him first. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. All right. Commander's general manager, former 49ers. So the Bills had a game. That snow came down. It was absolutely bananas. I was wondering, because they sometimes they move games to other cities, but they can't get it done. But they Mm. they got the field cleared. The seats weren't exactly cleared. And the funny thing was I'm looking at them as they were taking away snow, they had, like, one dump truck. I'm like, all those stadiums, you got one dump truck? You ain't going to get rid of that stuff. So they started telling people to come wear waterproof pants. It's just going to be sitting on the snow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they basically only had one day to work with. Um, once it started really coming down heavy, they had already moved it the one day. Uh, the, the, the field actually wasn't the issue. The big issue was they had travel restrictions because it wasn't safe for people to drive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So they couldn't even get to so, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the field was,
1: actually looked great, obviously. They
0: had actually cleared the uh, stands to some degree, and then it snowed again. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I believe the fit, they had fans come in. Oh,
0: yeah, they were paying them $20 an hour.
1: Yeah, and, and bring your shovel and, and make a couple bucks. and,
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. If you're young and strong, you do that. The coaching carousel: examining the NFL's seven current head coach searches. You know, I'm kind of old school, Benny, and I, and I wonder if you know some of these coaches haven't been around long enough to to get seasoned to to you know, and and there's obviously a, a complete lack of loyalty. There's no loyalty in any of these things, you know, so. You know, it just seems to me that stability is not something that a lot of these teams value highly. They don't want to give the coach a chance to grow, you know, to – to, and, and, you know, it's only one Super Bowl per year out of 32 teams. You know, the team with the most has, what, six? Something like that? Right. Out, you know, this is what? Super Bowl – In their history. Huh? In the history of the game. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get impatient because you didn't win a Super Bowl. I think almost uh, disrespects how hard it is to do that. Well, who, are we talking about somebody specific? No, I'm just talking about the general idea of, you know, so many of these coaches haven't been around long enough for that long. and They're getting fired. Like, even with Sirianni, you know, they're talking about, oh, should they fire Sirianni? It's like, you know, Genie Christmas, man. You know, get a, get a man a chance. He was just in the Super Bowl. He's stood the a playoff guy. You know, maybe there's some things that he needs to tighten up on and everybody can improve in their job. You know what I mean? Nobody and, – and let me say this much too. Belichick? Belichick has absolutely stunk for the last three years at least and <laughs> without a Tom Brady, without a great a quarterback – He's kind of an average to below average coach who makes really weird decisions in terms of coordinators, taking two defensive guys and making them offensive coordinators and all types of craziness. And you're gonna bring him in to take your team to the next level. <laughs> I think it, it, and the, the funny thing is the media is, is is, oh yeah, well, maybe he'll go to the Falcons. I don't know. Well the Falcons. <laughs> Y'all not even questioning
1: that he don't he don't need to be going anywhere? Here, here, here's the coach funny coach thing. Coach, here's the funny thing, and I only heard one person even mention it, and I can't even remember who the heck it was. First of all, his number one priority is to get the record for the most wins. Right. And he's pretty close to it, which means if you have a team that's young, and or at least has a young quarterback, okay, I, I don't know that he's the guy you want. He, he ain't going to be around that happy, long. right? He gets like three he, wins, he's happy. <laughs> we, yeah, he ain't going to be around that long. The perfect squad for him to go to is a team that needs their defense tightened up a little bit and already has an offense that's pretty much rolling and a solidified starting quarterback. That's a team – that should want him oh, yeah. if they want him at he all. Sound kind of like the Eagles, <laughs> right? R- right, exactly. But not the Falcons. I don't see him coaching anybody. So that the yeah. Falcons don't even know he's going to coach somebody because he's the GO. I know that's what
0: I'm saying. You know they they high, they would be hiring him off a of rep a rep reputation, not right. off of his. Uh, um, that he achieved with Tom Brady achievements over the last few few years, and if you don't have a Tom Brady, then you know I don't think that you have a, a Bill Belichick at this at that same level. So
1: without Brady, he's only had two winning seasons.
0: Two. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. So, and let me say this, Ben, and, and I hope I'm wrong, but I've kind of seen this in the NFL and in corporate America where you have a situation where the team or the management is in disarray. And they hire a black coach. Oh, they definitely get one year. They got one year. They're easy to fire. We saw it in Houston. And as soon as I saw this in New England, I just wondered, It just went through my mind. I'm wondering if he's going to be the sacrificial lamb. Uh, It's about giving him a chance to be a head coach.
1: I think in this particular case, it won't be like that. I think he's the heir apparent. It's not like these teams go to another team and pluck a guy, or they, you know, they try to follow the Rooney Rule and they and they interview four black guys and take the best one it's not like that this guy's the heir apparent this guy from what i'm hearing is belichick Jr., except he smiles and he actually talks well
0: i know so, he's got. i know he's got the patriot legacy going for him and all on all that kind of stuff and, and I, I hope the best for him i just i've seen it and so it kind of yeah I, I don't think that's going to happen to this particular guy Fantastic, fantastic. Let's roll up real quick. Uh <laughs> they the 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 NFL did get some blowback on that whole Peacock uh exclusive game thing. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got as a matter of fact, uh there's a politician who uh, gave a whole speech against that, saying that the NFL was being greedy and and all of that. Yeah, that's corny, man. I have Peacock, but
1: it's still corny.
0: Yeah, I thought it was corny. Uh, This is on Ben and Barry. Uh, Again, not the most inspirational article, uh, but these are Heisman Trophy winners who are disappointments in the NFL.
1: Nah, Uh, that's a long list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of quarterbacks, too. <laughs> a lot of quarterbacks. So you can read that article at Ben and Barry on football. Um, this is what I was talking about, where they're talking about the Peacock exclusive deal. This was New York Congressman uh, ordering the NFL and Roger able to make changes. So that uh, they really think that the NFL. Got a lot of comments on my book. Really? really?
1: Why? Like nobody likes. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's ridiculous. That's that's not even. I'm disappointed. This is
0: one of those things where you got too much money. You don't know what the hell to do with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Is one person said his grandmother knitted it for
1: him. He wanted to make sure that she's. (laughs) That's terrible. He paid way too much (laughs) money for that to look silly. Oh,
0: man, I'm telling you. Okay, so there you go. And my niece niece saw this article. And she's now trying to figure out, I think she already picked which one of these owners she wants to have designs on.
1: (laughs) I sent that to you, and I didn't even read it. (laughs) But I knew you would like it. Oh yeah, ranked by net worth and that's what I'm talking about net worth, you know right right so absolutely uh, it's it's funny <laughs> some of these owners own teams, but they don't own the team to make money. They own the team because they can't right They yeah. made their money in some other you know industry. But uh, uh it's
0: nice to be so rich that you know your little side thing, your little hobby is to own a football team. It's to
1: own an NFL football team, oh, yeah. I mean, right?
0: Uh that's pretty good stuff right there. So um, all right. Well, Benny, that brings us to thanks for following. Please leave comments and suggestions. Our hashtag is football is life. Our website is ww.banbarry on football. Please remember on YouTube to click the like button and the notification bell. And we will see you this time next week.